This is RMB's Data Analytics Podcast with Matthew Burnett, where we look at the insightful role that data analytics plays for decision makers. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the RMB Data Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Burnett. I'm the head of data analytics at Rand Merchant Bank. And joining me today is Patrice Rousseau. He is the Chief Investment Officer of Ashburton Investments. And we're going to be talking about data analytics in the investment industry and in asset management. So hi, Patrice. Thanks very much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, Matthew. And hi to all the listeners. Patrice, data analytics is really no stranger to the investment industry and asset management. And really, it's one of the fundamental building blocks that your industry has been built upon. Talk to us a little bit about data analytics and the models that you run in the asset management industry. Yes, of course, um, the investment industry is very familiar with the processing and extracting of data in order to make investment decisions. Um, the main activity within the investment universe, I would say, is financial analysis, which, if you think about it from an equities viewpoint, would be extracting data from your published annual financial reports and combining that data with um, uh, possibly proprietary industry data to to verify whether the 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 type of trends that you would see in a set of financial statements would correspond with what you see published. And this would help analysts to make forecasts. And these forecasts get aggregated into valuations, which allow our portfolio managers to decide whether to buy or sell a certain stock, for instance. Um, these, um, if you look at a few decades back, Matthew, these were quite manual processes where analysts would have a hand to collect the data and and do and perform calculations. Um, in more, the more recent past, this data was is now available in digital format with quite a lot of history, which allows for spreadsheets to be built. Um, and and increasingly, there's um, um, alternative sources of data also, which are available to 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 really triangulate uh, forecasts with what our industry experts and the like are saying to, to help improve the quality of forecasts and, and hence improve uh, the quality of valuations. What's also interesting in the current world of investing is your traditional, your, your more traditional active managers have had to can, contend with, with more um, automated, quantitatively based um, methods of investing, the simplest ones being index, indexation type of, of uh, methodologies, but you can also think of various quantitative strategies which aim to either uh, follow a certain trend or build financial models and, and exploit um, any type forms of arbitrage that, that, that may present itself. So, so, the, so Matthew, the world of financial analysis has really evolved from being one driven by humans to having machines and very um, sophisticated quantitative processes able to to handle and analyze huge um, amounts of data and and deliver returns uh, using these processes. So so it's it's really these days a a, a race between man and machine. 
Patrice, it's absolutely fascinating, especially that race as you spoke about. Patrice, you also mentioned alternative data, and alternative data has really been quite a hot topic in the asset management industry, and it's becoming even hotter. Can you give us a bit of background um, as to what is alternative data exactly? Yes, um, of course, Matthew. Um, with the big data revolution, there's been a lot of talk of incorporating alternative data um, in terms of financial analysis. And what, what I mean by that is instead of, of using your, the traditional um, financial information get, get, that gets published from traditional sources, um, there's been a whole industry which has sprung up to be able to use a whole um, swathe of data that you can get these days. For instance, um, satellite imagery allows us to see a whole amount of data on mobility. You can see traffic um, outside of shopping malls. You can see um, the extent of, of ships which are piling up outside of ports. You can see trucks coming in and out of factories. Um, there's also social media sentiment indicators where you can pick up um, whether your your average um, person is is feeling more bullish or bearish, um, what their type of 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 uh, uh, buying habits are, what are they interested in terms of of the social um, media chatter or even financial uh, market chatter. So there's there's the alternative. Data really means um, data from um, non-standard sources, and they are increasingly um, more common because um, these used to be quite costly to collect and difficult to integrate, whereas increasingly we're finding that there are providers who either supply those or it becomes um, quite easy to scrape data from the web. Um, to access those. Um, obviously, we can have a whole discussion, Matthew, about um, some of the legal wrangles that have uh, uh, arisen as, as a result of that. But um, there's, a, there's a whole new industry now where, which, which um, provides these alternative sources of data, sometimes really to the highest bidder, um, to avoid overcrowding. Absolutely fascinating, Patrice, and I guess it also comes down to finding the signal in the noise of all of this alternative data that comes from all of these various sources. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that you use uh, signal and, and noise. Nate Silver in his book speaks about the signal and the noise, and, and I guess when it comes to, to looking at, at financial data, as we discussed, there's a lot of raw data, um, which is um, available out there, but the, the 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 real issue is how easy or difficult it is to arrange the data, how easy or difficult it is to process the data in order to be able to extract signals, and and how how useful are these signals from a predictive um, uh, viewpoint? Because at the end of the day, to be able to ex to exploit these signals in financial markets. You need to be able to see whether they're spurious or not. Is, is there a relationship that you can observe? And are these relationships persistent and, and, and significant enough to be able to, to make money out of it? 
So, so, and in order to do that, the the um, the industry has developed all sorts of algorithms using technology and 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 to be able to 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 see if 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 there's there's benefits from using those. And and the fact that the industry is focusing on that tells you um, logically that that obviously the, the benefits from doing this, the volume of data which is into the billions, um, really tells you that um, now there's there's quite a vast field to mine. There's an increasing a variety of data that one can look at. Some of it is quite structured, as mentioned already, but a lot of it is unstructured, which which requires quite a lot of computing power to be able to 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 handle the the, the frequency and velocity of that data is increasing. But at the same time, um, what you would what what's quite difficult in financial markets is is to decide whether the veracity and validity of the data is is there because I mean even if you pick up some kind of relationship, it's difficult to to know whether that's going to last or that signal that you mentioned is going to be there for the long term and be sufficient to to be able to make money long term. So so the the key focus in financial markets now is to get. Um, the signals out of the noise, and, and these signals are, are indeed very valuable, so much so that that um, a, a lot of, of investment managers and quant managers are, are willing to pay a whole lot of money um, to, to have access to that data. It, it's absolutely fascinating, as I said, and, and certainly a, a burgeoning industry, and we see this, this this huge amount of alternative data being made available to asset managers, and I guess up to the asset managers to then determine if it's useful or not, as you've just said. I mean, we've spoken about some of the traditional, more traditional analytics, uh, such as model building, etc. Are you using any more advanced technologies, such as AI and machine learning, when it comes to picking up the signal out of the noise from these massive data sets? Yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, early days for us in terms of machine learning. We are trying firstly to incorporate alternative data in terms of our data sets. We are then um, analyzing those to try to get the right signals out of it and, and to build, I would say, what's, what's the last step, which is quite important, is to build a story which helps us to interpret the data um, better because at the end of the day, I think the real differentiating factor here is, is yes, extracting the signal from the noise, but more importantly is making sense of these relationships and the data because just because you find a certain correlation, that doesn't, doesn't mean that you, you, you're getting causation. And, and unfortunately, a lot of these data series, Matthew, are quite short. So, um, we are running out of sample models to make sure that uh, what are we picking up will have a lasting impact and we can explore that long term. So it's still very early days for us in terms of machine learning and being able to exploit those. Patrice, talking about a, a lasting impact there, the, the final data set for asset management I'd like to ask you about is ESG data. Now, we know that there's been an increased focus on environmental and sustainability and, and governance factors when it comes to corporations, as well as the societal impact that they might have. How does that data come into effect when it comes to asset management and deciding which companies to invest in? Yes, it's it's a very good question. We We... 
we have within within um, Ashburton um, a head of data science, Matthew John, who's done a lot of work on the topic. So the first the first starting point of our exercise was to evaluate the various sources of data or data um, suppliers that are existing in the market, and there's quite a few of them, and to go all the way to the raw data that gets produced. Secondly, was it was to evaluate um, which of the of the data providers uh, provided us with the best set or more co- most comprehensive set of data that we could um, evaluate, and then the issue was one of of how do we weigh in ESG, for instance, um, the E, the S, and the G, which is probably the most difficult um, part of the exercise because um, I tend to find that um, most of the asset management industry is very well-versed in evaluating the G, the governance part of things. There's a lot of focus on the E, the environmental impact, and looking at a carbon footprint, and water utilization and and, and 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 the like, but not enough focus on the S. So so we're trying to weigh the three. But an interesting um, anecdote I can share with you. Looking back at the at the Steinoff um, debacle, when we did a bit of a post post mortem, what we found was that reviewing the financial statements of Steinoff reveal very little or, or had very little predictive ability to the to, to what was going to happen in terms of the demise of the company. But one one data set proved very quite prescient and it's actually um, the if you had a, an alternative data set especially especially focused on governance relating to Steinoff, well ahead, about a year ahead of Steinoff's de- uh, demise these, there were red lights around what was going on at, in Steinhoff, whether it was the German tax investigation or the like. So that started to give us quite a good signal that looking at alternative data, especially um, in the case of, of companies which might look at the surface to have very good or clean financial statements, that, that really gave us quite a lot of comfort that looking at ESG data could be very useful going forward, especially in cases like fraud. It, it, it's amazing to hear that. And, of course, you know, we say hindsight is twenty twenty, and when you backtest uh, um, these models and, and looking at the data, sometimes things become obvious, and hopefully we can, we can use that going forward to incorporate all of these alternative data sources to, to enhance the asset management industry. Patrice, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Pleasure, Matthew, and it was nice speaking to you. Thank you for listening to RB's Data Analytics with Matthew Bernath podcast. Subscribe now for more episodes.